Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Brett, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Steve. Steve, how are you doing? I am ready for the tournament to get started. Um, and it was quite the Big Ten tournament that we were served as an appetizer to the main event. So ready to talk about all of it. Yeah, it's been it was a, it was a very fun few days of basketball in Indianapolis, and there's plenty more to come with uh, with the NCAA tournament set to start this week. Uh, and but before we get into it, we'll talk up a little bit about um, this past week with uh, the Big Ten tournament. So we might as well uh, jump right into it. Um, so obviously the you know with the expansion of 14 teams, the Big Ten tournament started on Wednesday. Uh, and Wednesday saw a couple a couple interesting games. Northwestern came back from a big deficit to to put a rest or to put an end to the upstart Nebraska season. Um, and we'll probably have more thoughts about Nebraska as we head into to talk about next season. Um, and then Penn State pulled away from a depleted Minnesota team that played four of their five starters the full 40 minutes. Uh, and that led into some some very interesting games on Thursday. Um, so I think we can start with with Indiana, uh, who kind of entered the the weekend as pretty much the one bubble team for the Big Ten. And they uh, they put an emphatic statement together, uh, starting with a win against Michigan. Uh, they came back from 17 down in the second half. Um, so what, what did you think about while you were while you were watching that game, Steve? I don't think I've seen this Indiana team play with the level of desperation that they played with and kind of mounting that, that comeback. Indiana had kind of been on a, a downward trajectory. It, we we documented pretty well that they kind of they started off well, um, and and the kind of noteworthy event of the beginning of their season was that that went over Purdue. But but frankly, since then, I, I think it it'd be safe to say that they underperformed uh, relative to the expectations they set there. Not that they had a bevy of bad losses, but you know they they. They, they, they weren't really kind of um, playing really that well. Um, Jackson Davis had kind of taken a step back. There have been some issues with some of the role players. They dropped that weird game at Northwestern, which kind of um, sent them into a little bit of a tailspin. And so, as Brett said, you know, they were right on the bubble and, and kind of looked like, you know, Michigan punched them pretty hard at the beginning by executing their offense pretty well, playing through Hunter Dickinson, Devontae Jones, um, and, you know, Eli Brooks kind of, you know, did their thing. Um, but then it was really the defensive pressure of Indiana that, that changed that game um, spearheaded by Xavier Johnson, you know, and, and then kind of trace Jackson Davis uh, got going despite, you know, giving up five inches or so to Hunter Dickinson in the post. He, he really took control of that game down the stretch. Um, and I think taking a step back from the X's and O's. Uh, wow. I mean, we're used to Indiana kind of choking um, in moments like this, I think really from the course of the, last i mean the better part of the last decade or so but you know i think this was a culture win for mike woodson um and you know as we'll talk about soon you know i, I think this could propel indiana to i think scary heights if he figures this out and gets them making big plays in crunch time yeah yeah absolutely and i think we actually you know i think another thing another interesting thing we saw that to, after that game or throughout that game and throughout indiana's big 10 tournament uh appearances their defense has really, really kind of a lot played a lot more cohesive this, you know, over the last few weeks. Um, and the off when the offense also shows up when you get Jackson Davis playing efficiently, when you get Xavier Johnson knocking down shots, um, you know, and and kind of the supporting guards playing better. Uh, this 
this IU team is kind of playing with with some juice at the right time. Um, so and we'll get into we'll get into what what this week looks like for them. But uh, you know, I for a desperate team like that, it was uh, it was good to see them them finally show up. And then also on Thursday we had uh, Penn State. I think the other the other real game of note was Penn State upsetting Ohio State. And Ohio State's tournament status wasn't really in doubt heading into this week, but I mean that's not not a great look for for the Buckeyes as uh, you know conference tournament comes along. They've not been playing very well, um, and you know losing again. We we had talked about how Penn State really had the capacity to make life difficult for some teams, but uh, you know Ohio State's lost four out of their last five now heading uh, since the, since the big win at Illinois. And uh, you have to really wonder if, if things are kind of starting to slip away for, for the Buckeyes. And and we've, you know, repeated this, I think multiple times in the last couple of weeks, but I feel like the injuries are really starting to, um, you know, are really starting to mount. I, I think they'll benefit from playing teams outside of the conference that maybe, you know, don't scout them as well, but, like, you know, when you're having to depend on getting double digits out of, you know, Joey Brunk, um, you know, he played big minutes because Zed Key couldn't play. They're, they're still without you know, Kyle Young, you know, and no Justice Sewings. It's how, like the, the, the team that we thought they were going to throw out at the beginning of the year, you know, is not the, the team that they have, have out there. Um, and, you know, EJ Liddell can only do so much to, to kind of drag them around. And I think we're also seeing with, with Branham, you know, teams are zeroing in on him more and he's just a notch or two less efficient than he was when he was kind of surprising people, I think at the start of conference play. Um, and you know, we, we, I feel like we beat a dead horse when we talk about Penn state, but you know, they, they, they don't let you run away from them. They play really, really tough defense. They've got guys that can score in the one-on-one and man, I think this was you know, one of the storylines that we're we're gonna have to talk about going into next year is, is Micah Shrewsbury and what he can do with with this team because, uh, you know I, I think I think he's got some momentum going you know and if he can get some guys in there um and, and continue that tough culture of strong defense you know he he may have a a team with an outside shot at the tournament that next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think one thing that was abundantly clear about this Penn State team from from start to finish is that. They they just they played hard and they, it seemed like they really liked playing for Micah Shrewsbury. So I think you know they're going to lose a lot of a lot of experience and and talent, but uh, I think you know I think Micah Shrewsbury does have a, a very bright future in State College. Uh, so moving on to Friday, um, you know we talked about Indiana, um, and I, I my personal opinion was that 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 win over Michigan kind of cemented their spot. But you know to remove all doubt, uh, they upset top seeded Illinois. Uh, and again, another just masterclass in terms of, of defense and, uh, and another great trace Jackson Davis game is, is what got Indiana across the finish line there. Um, so, you know, I, I think again, it, you know, another low scoring game in which Illinois really couldn't put it together and get the win. It was, it was a close game, uh, obviously, but, um, and pretty much a close game for the entirety of it. But, um, you know, Illinois has seen some winnable games kind of end up in the loss column. And and I don't think that and we had talked about, you know, you had mentioned last week about how if you're one of the teams to be whose fans should be a little bit worried is Illinois. And uh, I'm not sure that this showing did anything to, uh, you know, to dissuade that um, you're not getting much contribution from Curbelo right now. And Kofi had a, had a hey, Kofi had a really good game. But besides that, I think everything was pretty much 
pretty lacking for the Illini. Right, and you you kind of start to see the the blueprint at least to to beat this team right now. But before we get into that, like it, it's almost getting too predictable with Illinois. And as I've, I've said, you know, we've been appropriately I think harsh on them. Um, and you don't want to be too harsh, just you know, given they had the the number one next to them heading into this tournament. So you know, all the credit to them for what they've accomplished this season. But it just seems to me that the the time you want to play Illinois the most is after they've they've just played a big win because they can't. You know, there always seems to be a, a letdown, whether it was last year after the Big Ten tournament, you know, and them running into Loyola or, you know, coming off one of their biggest wins in program history over Iowa uh, on, on Sunday. You know, they they did not uh, look like a conference champion uh, in the way that they played against Indiana. And, and really, you know, what it comes down to is for them to look like a Final Four team. I mean, they have to make threes the the, the role players alongside Kofi have to make threes. Um, DeMonte Williams did not take a shot that game in 20 minutes. Trent Frazier, four for 10 from the field. Uh, Plummer, two for 12. Curbelo, one for seven. I mean, you're just, you're not going to win. I mean, it's sometimes it's as simple as you, you got to make shots. But I mean, some of the management down the stretch was woeful. I mean, they coughed that game away. Um, you know, but at the same time, Indiana took it. Um, and while I actually disagree with you a little bit on, um, Illinois' victory, Indiana's victory over Michigan cementing their tournament status. Uh, Indiana looked like the team that had way more to lose, way more to play for with this game. You know, and, and they came out and made a statement. And, and again, you know, just like I said a few minutes ago, I mean, Mike Woodson's doing something right culturally. You know, and, and on the flip side, I think if you're an Illinois fan, you have to continue to question what's going on inside that locker room with Brad Underwood, because they do not look the part of a championship caliber team when they continue to um, spit out performances like this in big games. Yeah. And I think another interesting thing to note, uh, the, and we'll, we might touch on this later, but you know, the Illinois is basically rolling out a six man rotation uh, with, you know, with uh, a, a couple guys getting a little, a few minutes here and there. Um, Alfonso Plummer is, has, shown to be kind of a defensive liability for even for as good as how for as good as he can be on the offensive end. So I'm interested to see if if his minutes get get tightened up a little bit, uh, especially if they're having defensive issues, uh, because he's definitely someone that can be exploited defensively. Another so other other results from Friday, we had Iowa uh, running away from Rutgers and Purdue ending uh, the Cinderella run of Penn State. Uh, but the last one I think we should talk about is Michigan State upsetting Wisconsin uh, and you know, I if you if you watched that game, you could tell pretty quickly that Johnny Davis was still kind of coming back from from his ankle injury. He did not look fully 100 percent. But at the same time, that's that's no excuse for Wisconsin. I mean, they they have shown that they can beat this Michigan State team. Uh, and Davis was ended three for 19 from the field. He looked like he was forcing a lot. But um, yeah, it was it was, you know, again, in credit to Michigan State, you know, Marcus Bingham and, and the other big guys played really, really well. Uh, were able to finish around the rim. And we're able to get get stops when it mattered. Uh, Wisconsin shot, you know, not not very well from the field, and and Michigan State was able to to get easy looks, and and that should be a good place for you know Michigan State to kind of figure out if they can can be a player in March is is getting a w- a tough win like that. Yeah, in some ways, this was one I think you could kind of see coming. You got sort of the the typical Izzo special, you know, meaning uh, punching above his weight class in, in March here. Um, I, I don't know that this was necessarily an extraordinary effort on Michigan State's part, but more about 
to your point on Johnny Davis's health, you know, three for nine, you know, five from three, uh, that's not going to get it done. Translated to, you know, 37% shooting from the field for Wisconsin. Um, uh, and, and they also, you know, committed 22 fouls, which is a lot for them too. They, I think clearly were a step slow. I think you're Wisconsin. I mean, this is not the right time for a two game losing streak. They're along with some of the other teams we've talked about sort of trending in the wrong direction. Uh, but like with Michigan state, it, it's just like they're balanced enough offensively that they just need to get enough from, from, you know, different guys. Bingham was good down the, down the stretch there. Um, you know, like Christie made a shot or two, like you, you didn't get, um, you didn't get otherworldly performances really from anyone here, but you got enough guys. They've got enough guys who on the court at once that, you know, can make a big shot when they need to. And they were really just able to kind of out tough uh, Wisconsin team that was sort of limping into this game. Um, I, I still don't know that you can really take that much away from this game and be like, yeah, you know, Michigan State's there and ready for March just because I, I think this team's ceiling is, is pretty low. But I think this game's more about like Wisconsin's got to find a way to get right um, quickly because they are trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the, the Nebraska game and leading into this with, you know, Johnny Davis obviously not not fully healthy is not not ideal. But I think, you know, given that it's sprained ankle uh, and hopefully now they've kind of gotten gotten their minds right and uh, we'll we'll head into the tournament with a, at least a little bit more confidence. Um, so Saturday we had uh, Iowa, Indiana, and that was again another another very close game uh, where Iowa I was able to. Uh, Take it over Indiana based on the heroics uh, heroics of Jordan Bohannon, which, you know, it's I, he's he had a he had a really rough start to the season, so it's it's you know good to see this Iowa team uh, playing well with him with him playing well, and then Jaden Ivy uh, leading Purdue over Michigan State, and then obviously today we had Iowa kind of controlling the game from the start uh, and winning their first Big Ten tournament championship since 2006, and I you know besides the slip up at at Illinois. Uh, I was playing some of the best basketball in the country right now. And despite my just, you know, total confusion as to how that's happening. Right. Well, and I think the confusion probably stems from, you know, the, the track record of Fran McCaffrey, right? Like he's had some pretty good teams um, at Iowa with, with a lot of talent, but they've always underperformed in the tournament, you know, and, and last year, most, I think um, spectacularly when they had, you know, Wieskamp and Garza, um, and, and, and they, they couldn't, you know, they were two seed and, and couldn't get to the second weekend. Uh, th- there were no expectations, you know, for this team. We, we kind of had them as a, we pegged them as a fringe tournament team. And all of a sudden they look, I mean, you know, we as um, veteran Big Ten viewers, we, we know what a tough Big Ten team looks like, right? You know, when they make shots in the clutch, it kindly defensive stops. Um, even, you know, throwing out lineups that can, uh, be undersized, but um, effective, you know, I mean, they gave up height at most positions uh, a- against Purdue and, you know, they, they got enough stops and, and kept their offense going to, you know, find a way to win. It, it's unlike anything I've seen out of a Fran McCaffrey team um, <laughs> really, really ever. Um, two things I will say though, um, he's most comfortable as kind of a, a, a space and pace type coach. Um, and, you know, without kind of Garza lumbering down there, he's he's been able to get out and play quicker. You know, they made 14 threes against Indiana on Saturday, which was effectively the reason why they were able to 
uh, complete the comeback there. But what I actually want to point out to listeners the most is McCaffrey had an interesting quote after the game, which I thought um, was telling. Um, he was asked what was different, you know, about this team compared to other teams. And he said, uh, you know, every offseason we set roles for everyone on the team. And, and you know, things can change throughout the re- year. But he said this team, everyone accepted their roles and they just competed. Um, and, and not that that's hinted at, you know, maybe on other teams when he's had more talent, there hasn't been that kind of buy into your role. Uh, but, you know, whether it's a recipe for a long-term run or not, you know, this team is, is built behind Keegan Murray and, you know, Bohannon being a volume shooter, the McCaffrey brothers kind of filling in where they need, you know, and, and Toussaint, you know, kind of doing his thing to, you know, make things ha- happen as the facilitator. And right now, you know, no reason to mess with it because they may have the highest upside of any big 10 team um, in the tournament. Yeah. And I, I still like, there are still going to be questions about, about their defense and how it translates uh, when the game slows down a little bit. But I mean, yeah, like you said, I think everyone has really on that team has really bought in uh, and let, you know, let it become Keegan Murray's team, but you know, with a lot of, of ancillary help. And that's, that's how you build a contender is, is you have, role players that can fit their roles and, and do things, do things correctly. And uh, so credit, credit to Iowa um, for, for, for winning the big, big 10 tournament. It's, it's, you know, uh new kind of new face in there. First one, obviously in, in, you know, eight in 16 years. So, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll look to carry that momentum over into the big tournament. And speaking of Steve, we've, we've made it. We've almost made it. The tournament starts this week. Isn't that exciting? I am. I am beyond excited. Me too. And we 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 are, even though we may not sound, we, you know, we're we're recording this late on Sunday night, so uh, we're 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 getting as getting as much uh, enthusiasm as we can. Uh, but no, it is as anyone that knows either of us knows, uh, it is our favorite favorite weekend of the year. Uh, so we will be eagerly watching all of the games, and uh, you know, I think. What we're going to do now is is take a look at, at every team's first game and maybe maybe a little bit of broader context surrounding regions for any draws that we like. Uh, but with the focus on on each individual matchup, at least to start. Uh, and so we start in the first four. Uh, this. I'm going to I'm going to I don't understand. It's it's like the committee didn't really watch the Big Ten tournament, which I know that it in the grand scheme of things, like usually those games don't matter. Uh, I think this is. Putting Indiana in the first four instead of Michigan is uh, a choice that they made that I don't necessarily agree with. But regardless, each team's playing a Mountain West team, so we'll we'll get into that. Uh, and we'll start with on Tuesday, the first four, uh, first game is Indiana Wyoming, and you know this is this is an interesting an interesting matchup for for Mike Woodson's crew. I mean, obviously they're they're playing very good basketball right now. But this this Wyoming team is is a team that has really kind of become a force in the in the Mountain West in in recent years, even going back to uh, the days of Larry Nance Jr. And I think it presents a kind of unique pr- challenge for this Indiana team, I would say. Yeah, I mean, and it it starts with Graham Ek, right? Um, a, a big that can go pound for pound uh, with with Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, maybe not pound for pound, uh, but at least from a productivity standpoint, I think certainly can, you know, and they have a, you know, a guard that's, you know, pretty dynamic, both as a passer and a scorer and Hunter Maldonado. 
they're, you know, I'm actually, I'm surprised that Wyoming's in this game, to be completely honest, because I thought uh, maybe resume wise, they didn't, you know, there, there's not a, a huge number of, of high quality wins on here, but, you know, they went, uh, you know, they, they ended up finishing fourth in what was a pretty strong Mountain West conference this year. Yeah. You, you know, um, it's, it's, it, it's a different animal um, when, you know, you go down there to Dayton, you know, you've got teams with sort of different level of motivation. Um, I think you wonder if Indiana has anything left after this, you know, emotional run that they put together, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I would expect a lot of post action here. I would expect Wyoming to try to, you know, push the pace as much as they can. And, and really the key to me in this game is going to be who, controls the tempo the most because I think we're going to see a lot of post play, um, you know, and, and with that, you know, foul trouble will be important as well. And it's interesting you mentioned that because Maldonado and EK both rank uh, very highly in uh, both. They're actually both in the top 30 in the entire country and fouls drawn per 40 minutes. Uh, so, you know, this, it's a team that, like you said, likes playing through the post, likes getting the ball to the rim and uh, they're going to make, they're going to make Jackson Davis really work on defense and probably try and attack him to, to draw a couple early fouls and, and open up. The rest of the game. Uh, other other guys that uh, fans should be Indiana fans should be aware of are Xavier Ducell and uh, Brendan Wenzel, who are both uh, who are some of Wyoming's shooters, uh, along with Drake Jeffries. And uh, so those are those are going to be names to keep an eye on. I think the big thing is that, you know, this Wyoming team is pretty efficient from the field uh, and they don't really turn the ball over uh, They're They did their 62nd in the country in turnovers uh, on while they're on offense. Um, they don't force many turnovers. So. You know, for an Indiana team that's had some trouble with that, they they won't necessarily be as pressured uh, with the ball. But uh, you know, ev- the, the the this this Wyoming team has lost to Arizona uh, they, they, by about 30, um, but they've been able to beat teams like Boise State and Utah State and Colorado State. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup, but I I don't see a reason that that Trace Jackson Davis won't be the best player on the floor and can't carry this team to victory. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, we've got Rutgers playing. Uh, another Power Five team that uh, found its way down into the down into the first four, and you know you can say what you want about Rutgers making the tournament, but it it happened, and uh, and and we're here. So they are playing Notre Dame, and you know that's it's gonna it's gonna be gonna be an interesting matchup. Um, what do you what do you what do you think about this one, Steve? Well, uh, yeah, I think first when you look at the resumes, I mean, so. Rutgers, I think, clearly got penalized for those three bad early season losses, which I, I think is fair. You know, they're looking at the whole uh, portfolio. Uh, but the, the team that lost those games is in no way the kind of team that, you know, you're about to see walk on here. Um, and, and in a way, they kind of they kind of got hosed as the four seed. Um, even though it was great, they got the double by. They didn't really get an opportunity to beat uh, a quality team and, and, and like that Iowa matchup I think was terrible for them just given all the things we talked about um, as, as far as Iowa coming in here hot um, I, I like Rutgers in this game um, it, it, like frankly the only thing that's impressed me about Notre Dame this year is is their close win over Kentucky like it, yeah yeah they ended up with the two seed in the ACC we haven't talked that much about the ACC yet but um, it, it was it was not very good um and, you know, yeah, they they amassed wins to to get to 15 and five um, and, and then, you know, got knocked out uh, by, you know, Virginia Tech, who, who ended up going on to win. So they're not really even coming in playing, you know, particularly well. They've lost 
two or three and, and, you know, gone three and three in their last six. So they're not, not exactly coming in looking super hot. Um, I, I like Rutgers to do what they've done here. Um, yeah, I, I think they're, I think actually both fan bases will, will probably pretty well travel pretty well to Dayton. So I think it'll be a good environment there, but I, I, I like Rutgers to get the job done here. I do too. And I think the big, the big thing is going to be that, uh, Rutgers is going to really have an opportunity to, to dominate on the glass. Uh, Omari has been playing at a pretty high level uh, down the stretch this season, and uh, him and Harper should be able to to work pretty hard to to control the boards. I mean, I really like Blake Wesley um, as as a as an NBA guy, um, but you know they'll, they'll be able to throw Mulcahy and Geo Baker at him, uh, kind of, and maybe even Harper depending on on the lineups. Um, you know, you've got to worry about Lashevsky a little bit shooting. Uh, the three shoots 45% from three, uh, and Dane Goodwin is also a, a, a very high three-point shooter. So they're both in the top 40 uh, nationally at three-point percentage. But I just I don't know that they have anybody that quite has the versatility to match up with Harper. Uh, and you know once once he kind of gets going, the rest of that the rest of that Rutgers team gets going as well. Um, so yeah, I think I think that they're going to be a little too too much athletically for for a Notre Dame team that again, like you said, that went over Kentucky looks really great. But I think this is this is more of a quantity of wins team, and that's that's why they're in the tournament, and that's great, and you know that's that's good for Notre Dame. Uh, but they, I think, uh, I think this is this is where things end for for Mike Bray's crew. Um, and then moving on to Thursday, uh, the the first game of the of the tournament is uh, Michigan against the upstart Colorado State Rams, and uh, so that that will be coming to you live at 11:15 a.m. on. Thursday. Uh, and honestly, the first, the first matchup we get is, is a pretty good one. And you know, it, it's going to start for Colorado state with David Roddy and, uh, he's number nine in Ken Palm's player of the year. He's had just an overall, overall hell of a year. And he's, you know, he's a, a pretty ball dominant wing, the, the wing post player, kind of everything that's six, six, two fifty five. So I'm interested to hear how you think, uh, they're going to try Michigan's going to try and defend him. Well, it's 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 funny actually because that that's not where my head went first when I saw this matchup. So you know, again, similar to Wyoming, you know, um, this Colorado State seems interesting. Right? Like they have a you know they have a win over Creighton, um, a win over St. Mary's, so, so kind of a unique um, resume. They, they they did lose by thirty to San Diego State. To, to San Diego State, they also lost to them in the tournament. And, you know, that's that's a team that's Michigan has beaten. So, again, trans, transit property, you know, probably means nothing here. But for for me, my head went to the post. Um, and I actually don't think that this Colorado State team has anyone that can defend, um, not not just Hunter Dickinson, but, you know, Musa Diabate. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, you have a fair point about, you know, who's going to defend Roddy. It's probably going to be a combination of, of Brooks and, and Houston. and you know, if it's a close game, I think, you know, Michigan's going to be, in, if it's a close game at the end, Michigan's going to be in big trouble because, you know, he's probably the scariest player on the floor, at least in the one-on-one. But um, this should be a game that Hunter Dickinson um, and Diabate, frankly, should dominate because of their size. And and that's why I think Michigan has a, a pretty good chance to pull the upset here. Also, keep in mind, this game's in Indianapolis. So Michigan got lucky with their location draw as well. Yeah, I think I think out of out of all of the six seeds, I think this is this is a really good matchup for Michigan, honestly. Like, although it, I mean, I, we've seen games where Michigan goes away from Dickinson inexplic- inexplicably in the post, and so hopefully this isn't one of those games. Um, 
I think I think you know this would this could be the start of a of a pretty pretty solid run for this Michigan team. Um, so I think that you know there's there's a lot of a lot of room for Michigan to to play well and 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 beat this Colorado State team. Um, and I think as long as you know you don't fall asleep on on guys like Roddy or Isaiah Stevens uh, and John Tanje on the on the perimeter, uh, this should be a, a a you know a game I would probably expect Michigan to to be able to advance. Uh, and then finishing up Thursday, we have uh, Iowa taking on the A-10 tournament champion Richmond Spiders. And this is going to be a very interesting stylistic game because Iowa, as we've talked at nauseum, uh, wants to get out and run and, you know, has, has the horses to do so this year. You know, you can, you can have pretty much any of any five guys on any of the five guys on the court leading the break, which makes them very dangerous. And Keegan Murray is, is, a whole level of athleticism separated from pretty much anybody on that I on that Richmond team. But at the, on the other, on the other hand, you have a Richmond team that is, you know, has not played up to the level that they have, you know, the last few years. Um, but they are very disciplined. They played a pretty slow pace and they basically just run a Princeton offense. that's predicated on, on, uh, waiting for ag- the aggressive passing lane defense and then just playing back door. So, they have a big name uh, that's Grant Golden, who's who's an excellent passer, and Jacob Gilliard is their point guard, and he's he's a, a gamer uh, and who can who can shoot it. And I, I don't think that there's any reason Iowa should lose this game, but if they do, it will be because they get undisciplined on the defensive end. Yeah, and and frankly, I I just you know I I don't see. I think the only way it happens is if they're just you know, completely satisfied with winning the Big Ten tournament and and they just kind of don't show up mentally. I, I like Iowa big in this game. I think this was the least scary 12 seed for them to draw. Frankly, I was actually a little surprised that Richmond even got to the 12 line just kind of based on some of the losses they've had this year. Kudos to them for, you know, a, a tough, tough A-10 kind of tournament, you know, winning close games games um and and making clutch shots when they needed i i think i always got too much speed and i i, I don't think this game will be particularly close yeah i i believe i am with you uh and so we'll finish up by talking about friday's games uh and the first one we have is you know michigan state for all their uh, you know everything we've kind of talked about ends up as a seven seed and they are drawing the davidson wildcats the very dangerous davidson wildcats also out of the a10 uh and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, you're getting a Davidson team that's going to be well coached and they're going to be executing. Uh, so what is it going to take for, for Michigan state to win this one? Well, b- before answer that question specifically, I mean, the, you know, there's tons of odd storylines in every game, right? But, um, foster lawyer is the leading scorer on Davidson, who's a former Michigan state player. So if there's, anyone kind of on the inside that, you know, should know how to break them. Not that Foster Lawyer's time at Michigan State was that notable, but, you know, that's, I think, an interesting storyline to watch. You know, I, I'd, I'd be a little bit worried if I were Michigan State for all the reasons we talked about earlier, right? Like, this this team does not have the ability to, you know, run away from teams just because of the lack of explosiveness of their offense. Um, you know, and, and so it often kind of will come down to, you know, in a close game, will they execute? And, you know, this this Davidson team, you know, even though we kind of didn't see it um, today in their performance in the championship, can be pretty explosive on offense, um, you know, shoot pretty 
decent from three. Like I, I just, yeah, I, I think if this game's close, and for some reason, my gut's telling me that that doesn't favor Michigan State. You know, Izzo should have him ready like they he, they normally do. You know, they need to make sure Bingham's involved, make sure Malik Hall, um, you know, gets enough shots up. And, you know, this this could be a matchup where Max Christie, athletically and talent-wise, you know, is the best player on the floor, and he should play like it. But we've seen plenty of examples of all of those things not happening for Michigan State, you know, in individual games this year. And I just worry that if it doesn't happen, that they're pretty vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, again, this is a very, it's an experienced Davidson team, um, but, you know, as as is kind of becoming a theme, they, it doesn't look like they have the bodies or the athleticism to really match up with a guy like Marcus Bingham, like, you know, uh, Luka Bra- Braskovich is is kind of going to be their best hope, uh, and he's more of a, more of an inside out big man, whereas, as Bingham could really, as he showed against Wisconsin, play at the rim and and above the rim and really kind of get get tough buckets in the post that open things up for the rest of the offense. I think very interesting thing is going to be what you know because if I'm a, you, seeing how uh, seeing how Michigan State's point guards uh, are able to kind of work against Lawyer, they obviously know how to play against him uh, offensive wise and and Hagard is obviously looking more to get to the rim, whereas Walker is, is has kind of shown more willingness more willingness to shoot it from three. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys can can set the table for for guys like Max Christie. But I think I think you're right. I think I would not be surprised to see to see a 20 point game out of Max Christie in this one. Um, and then the next one we have for you guys uh, on Friday is Purdue uh, coming off an appearance in the Big Ten title game, uh, going up against the Yale Bulldogs, who had a somewhat of a shocking win today against Princeton, uh, where. Great atmosphere in in Boston, and it it was a it was a close game, you know, coming on the heels of another relatively close game against Penn. And if if you're looking at it from like I like we just talked about with the athletic difference, uh, I mean this this should be, you know, this should be a pretty easy one for for Purdue. I there's nobody on the floor for Yale that is able to match up with Jaden Ivey, uh, and you know Purdue or Yale's Yale's tallest rotation player runs about six eight, so. Travion Williams and Zach Eady should make a living in the post, but there, you know, we've seen, we've seen teams in the past, you know, like art, like Georgia state led by RJ Hunter or, or someone like that, where these mid-major teams have one guy that just cannot be stopped. And for Yale, that guy is Azar Swain. Uh, he's kind of burst onto the scene this year. He's averaging about 20 a game. Uh, and given Purdue's potential, given Purdue's, you know, ability to let teams hang around due to subpar on ball defense, especially in the ball screen game. I mean, there's, there is a chance that Swain goes for 30 and they win this game, but I like, I, I don't like that to happen, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be in Matt Painter's mind somewhere. Yeah. I mean, and they, they just, it, it, they have to take care of business down low. It, you know, Edie's frankly look disinterested, um, you know, or disengaged over the last couple of games. Um, so, you know, this could be a get right game for him, uh, but there are absolutely no excuses for Purdue. Now, Yale will, you know, they'll slow him down. And we know Purdue has a propensity to be disengaged kind of a, across the board. Um, and we know they've blown some big leads, too. So, you know, I'd watch out for all that. But there's really no excuse for Purdue not to win this one by double digits. Yeah, I mean, Yale, Yale allows 51 percent. Uh, on twos, uh, which is 233rd in the country. Uh, and I think, I think there should be 
multiple opportunities for almost everyone on on Purdue to to be able to attack the rim easily. So even if they're going to do a good job closing out on threes, uh, Purdue should be athletic enough and and disciplined enough to to keep to score pretty much at will in the lane and uh, keep this one outside of double digits. So then next we have the Illinois Fighting Illini uh, got the four seed and they will be playing. Uh, honestly, the team that probably had the most most exciting win uh, of of the conference tournament season in the the Chattanooga Mocs, uh, led by ex ex Wisconsin assistant Lamont, Lamont Paris. So shout out to him. Uh, where David David Jean Baptiste hit a 40 footer against Furman to send them to the tournament. And I said the entire year that it, as as a Wisconsin fan, I wanted no part of this Chatt- Chattanooga team in in round one. And I think I think for pretty good reason. This this team this team can play. Well. Well, and I just, I mean, again, I don't know that much about Chattanooga other than kind of what I saw and what I think was the greatest championship uh, final game of any <laughs> conference uh, this year. That game you just mentioned. Agreed. So, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. I don't like Houston as like a, a good matchup for Illinois going forward should they get past Chattanooga. You know, and then being in Arizona's bracket, we, we know what happened when they played earlier this year. I know there were high expectations in Champaign, um, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I, I just uh, I don't know that this is what kind of Illinois fans wanted. Uh, but in the end, they get what they deserve, um, given their disappointing conference tourney finish and just their inability to string together, um, you know, consistently dominant performances throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued because so basically Chattanooga's got. Got a trio of guards, a little bit undersized, but John Baptiste and and Malachi Smith are going to be your shooters. And then uh, Darius Banks uh, does a really good job drawing fouls and getting and and converting at the line. So, you know, this is going to be a team that's going to look to attack off the bounce and try and make life miserable for those Illinois guards. So I think, you know, obviously they're going to have to stay out of foul trouble. And they actually have so they if you if you, you remember Silvio D'Souza from Kansas, he is now on Chattanooga. Um, and so he gives some power five experience in a front court. He's, you know, six, nine, two fifty. So Kofi's going to have some size on him, but he's played against guys like, you know, he, he's, he's played against teams like Illinois before. Um, and it, you know, is that going to be enough, especially if Illinois shooters are hitting their shots? Probably not. Um, you know, Chattanooga actually plays pretty good defense against the three. They rank 36th in the country there. Um, and they, obviously, but they rely on getting to the rim a lot and getting free throw. So if they can, Kind of, but they but they won't be able to drag Kofi out of the lane, so they're gonna have to try and hope he gets in foul trouble or is otherwise kind of defensively ineffective. Uh, I I think this team is good enough to, you know, make it a game against Illinois, but I think I think Illinois' talent ends up ends up winning out. And moving on to the game that I think the the is the most likely for the Big Ten to lose, and I, I think this is pretty much a uniform. This is gonna be one of those uniform upset picks. Uh, we've got the now kind of sliding Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the Loyola Chicago Ramblers, who are who are no no stranger to upsetting uh, Big Ten teams. So, what do you th- what are you looking for in this game, Steve? Well, yeah, you know there there may be some familiar names here for um, you know people that kind of follow Loyola over the last couple of years. You know, Lucas Williamson, who uh, was you know involved in their upset over Illinois, but you know, maybe not necessarily their, their primary guy. Like he, I, I don't know what the um, measurables are on him as far as his like pro upside, but 
you know, he, he looks the part as like, you know, someone that can ball with, you know, a major D one, um, with, with, you know, anyone at major D one. And so it, you know, he, he, he's going to be kind of the guy to stop, you know, Brandon Norris is kind of like a, a, a Brandon Norris is a like slithery kind of guard that moves the ball effectively, keeps his dribble really well. And, you know, can, can run their offense. Um, you know, they're, they're coached by, uh, uh, Denzel Valentine's, you know, brother who used to be on staff at Michigan State. So like they know the Big Ten well, um, it, it, you know, and, and so, I, you know, I think there's there's a lot to like. I think also just looking at their resume, I mean, they, they do have some interesting uh, wins, you know, and, and sort of the experience to match, you know, as far as power five competition. They beat Arizona State this year. They beat DePaul. They beat Vanderbilt and kind of a sneaky good win uh, over San Francisco. Um, who, who's also a tournament team. Um, and, you know, they, they played Michigan State, they played Auburn. Um, so this team's battle-tested. That would tell you that, you know, they're well set up for the upset. But the, the one thing I will say, Porter Moser, you know, no longer there. Um, you know, and he was the architect over all of their previous runs. So I, I just don't know that you can kind of trust them to be as precise, um, you know, and ready as they were under him. But I agree with you. That's going to be a popular upset pick, um, just given how Ohio State's been sliding. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think also one thing is, you know, one team will easily have the best player on the floor, and that's that's Ohio State. As for as good as Lucas Williamson is and and has been, uh, he's you know, EJ Liddell is EJ Liddell. I think the big thing, a big thing for Ohio State is going to be monitoring the health of Kyle Young uh, to kind of see, because I I could see him taking on you know the assignment of guarding Lucas Williamson. Um, and other, cause otherwise, you know, you've got Ahir Uguak, who's basically going to be probably assigned to Liddell. Um, but you know, their, their tallest rotation guy, they play one six ten guy, but besides that, it's pretty much six, eight and below. So you might be able to kind of throw key and, and Liddell in there and, and win some rebounding battles, but I think it's gonna be a close game. Uh, I think, you know, I, I do think Loyola is going to, going to pull out the upset, but I, I, I think uh, Liddell and Branham are, are definitely going to have their say about about what happens in this in this game. And then wrapping up the first round, uh, we have Wisconsin heading into a matchup against Colgate. And, you know, there are it's this this one, this one, I this one makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, Colgate is the second in the country at 40 percent shooting from three. You know, they, they have played a bunch of. Uh, power five teams, uh, but you know, with, with a lot of losses, they, they beat, they beat Syracuse, but lost to NC state, lost to Pittsburgh, lost to St. John's, lost to Monmouth, lots of Vermont. Um, so, you know, there's, there's been some adjustment, but they, they pretty much ran through, uh, the, the Patriot league, uh, without much stress, haven't lost since January 28th. And, you know, any team that can shoot like that is going to have a puncher's chance in the NCAA tournament. And to add to that, you know, Colgate took Arkansas um, to, you know, a, a very close game last year in the tournament with call it, you know, for, for the better part of 35 minutes in that game. Um, you know, it, it was pretty close. So, you know, they're not going to be scared of the spotlight. And the reason why this would scare you as a Wisconsin fan is just um, to me, like when Wisconsin controls the tempo, you know, I think it, it becomes very difficult for teams that play fast to, kind of function against them, but it works in reverse too, right? When Wisconsin gets blitzed, uh, they're, they're kind of like a, a football team that's run oriented. They have trouble coming back. Um, and I just worry about them being, 
um, exposed to an early blitz, especially if Johnny Davis isn't making shots. And and actually, I mean, again, this is and this is no slouch to the Wisconsin bigs, but they actually may be athletically overmatched, even if they're not, even if they're not giving up size. Um, you know, just given the kind of um, space spacing with which this Colgate offense operates with. So, you know, it's a scary team. It's a confident team. Uh, I, I don't know if there are going to be a lot of people that have the, um, that, that are, are going to be risky enough to, to pick this upset, but I, I would be worried if I were Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, I, but I think on, on the, on the other side, you know, this Colgate team, even with the soft conference schedule they played is still only, they only rank 203rd in the country in deep in total defense, defensive efficiency. So there's going to be ways for, you know, if Johnny, Johnny Davis, and I think the, the big one is going to be Tyler Wall. Uh, you know, Wall possesses kind of an interesting blend of size and athleticism that guys in the Patriot League usually just don't have. So Colgate will be able to run out a couple, you know, three, three pretty big guys, um, you know, including a 6'11", 270 Jeff Woodward, who should be able to kind of get baskets around the paint. But I think Wall being able to post and also drive is is going to be something that, you know, any any four that they run out, uh, you know, the Colgate starting four. Only six six. He's probably going to draw the the assignment on Wall to start, and you know, may it that'll that'll be difficult. So I think that you know th- there will be the ability the, the there will be ability to uh, score in the paint for Wisconsin, and I think if they can do that effectively and not lose track of Colgate's shooters, then then they should be able to pull this one out and head into a favorable draw the uh, the rest of the first weekend. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, we, we apologize for going a little long, but uh, we wanted to give an accurate as accurate of a preview as we could because uh, this is, you know, it's the best time of the year. Uh, and we want you to be as informed as possible when making your brackets. So thank you for listening, and we will see you again next Sunday to break down everything that has happened.